0: Broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 101st Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm Joe pal Phil, how are you?
1: Doing good, buddy. How about yourself?
0: Not doing too bad. Uh, we had a stellar episode 100. What do you, uh, you, did we get some good retention from that or I guess good feedback, I should say?
1: Yeah, we got uh we got a lot of good Instagram comments, you know, people liking it. It was pretty good. Uh great comments. We did get a couple of reviews, uh one really good one, one not so good one, and some uh some five star non writtens. So Ooh, pretty happy with that. Wait,
0: did was somebody mad about us making fun of Flat Earth? No, it was about us making fun of Trump. Ah, that's every, yeah. that's all the time. So Yeah, you, you tend to uh become an enemy to cult members when you make fun of their supreme leader, don't you? Their golden calf, <laughs> definitely. So what's been going
1: on with you this past week? Uh, not much. Arizona actually opened up full uh, full capacity at the bars and restaurants, so went out Saturday night, met some very strange people, so that's, you know, per usual, but...
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I guess that... Is Arizona known for I mean are they known for weird people?
1: Yeah, there are definitely some uh some odd folks living out here. So, I mean, there the one chick I was talking to, she kind of had that um I don't know, the the kind of person who looks like they wanna be living in Scottsdale but can't afford it but still pretend like they're in
0: Scottsdale like one of the wealthier people. Gotcha. Okay. So, was it Marjorie Green Taylor you were talking to? No, it was a different white trash (laughs) lady. It's funny, dude. Like, obviously, she got removed from her whatever the hell post she was. Um, And now she's just like, I don't know. She's just like this chaotic villain that's just like everywhere. And you just like can't get away from her.
1: Yeah, just basically roaming the halls. I just imagine you hear like the stories about her and people... Saying that she's like posting shit on other people's doors in like other people's offices in Congress and doing all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't know. They got they got two years left of her. So we'll see. She'll probably get elected again.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. She posted that um, anti-transgender thing outside of our door or whatever, right? Outside of I think it was
1: a different congresswoman's door.
0: But yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah and then I, we were talking about I, I saw it on cuz I follow Parlor Takes on Instagram which is uh is great I'd recommend anybody follow it because he basically just posts like crazy shit that people uh on parlor post and Laura or yeah Laura bobert we talked about she's a nutbag too <laughs> she <Yeah. laughs> she was complaining that um since hashtag Laura Bober for jail <laughs> <It> was like <laughs> trending so hard she was upset about it. And she said the only judge is God in her eyes or some shit like that. Well,
1: for someone like her, she better hope. Actually, yeah. she was the one who was skipping out on court all those times. So I I imagine, yeah, she probably really does believe that Well, she's, how, for how many times she skipped out on court.
0: I, I guess you go to court, you don't see that God's there and you're like, well, this isn't a real court. Well, if the judge didn't show up, then certainly I'm not
1: going to. She just turns around and stomps out. Her, She has fucking pistols falling out of her pants and shit as she's wandering out of the courtroom.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. She's the one who got mad that there's metal detectors at the Capitol when she had her concealed carry on her, right? That was her. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then that other guy, who's the other guy you talked about?
1: Oh, um, douche face. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his name was. I forgot. Matt, Matt, like Gates or something okay. like that. Yeah, I
0: uh, uh, I just saw a thing. It was a news report about how much money he's been making off of his little publicity recently. Like he's been mm-hmm. just kind of like a Trump style, just sucking the life out of uh, everybody who believes his horse shit.
1: Yeah, um, I really haven't. He's actually the one I've heard the least about, but. I don't actually watch any. You know, I used to watch all of the the news, the 24-hour news coverage. I guess he's all over that. So oh, really? I, I usually just watch more like my feed on my phone. So he's not really on that as much.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, one last thing before we get in here. Did you see all the reports came that came out that Trump was like one of the first persons to get the vaccine before he left office? Oh, no, I didn't yeah. hear that. Yeah, they were a little—because he did that, and then he was telling everybody, like, it's fake, and this was like, what a fucking weasel.
1: Yeah, well, for the vaccine was a little different, because he was telling people not to wear masks, but he was calling the vaccine, like, the Trump vaccine, and he was responsible for the rollout. So I can see him getting the vaccine, wanting to get it first, to take credit— you know, he was, in part, taking credit for the vaccine, so I can right. see
0: that. But Right. Well, anyway, now that we've offended uh, that one guy who left us a bad review, let's move on. He probably on. still listens.
1: But.
0: <laughs> let's move on to the episode here, Phil. What do you say? All right. Now, um, this is kind of a case. I don't know if... Yeah, it's kind of a case that I've been, you know, kind of perplexed about because I honestly don't know that much about her, but uh, I think this is uh, time for... Sub D to put their uh, fingerprints on what we think happened. And we're going to be covering the death of Marilyn Monroe. And we're going to be learning a lot about kind of her life. A lot of stuff that I didn't know very much about. How much, how well is your information or how much do you know about Marilyn Monroe?
1: I do. I know a little bit about her. Um, I know obviously the death. Uh, Her death was highly suspicious. She was connected to a lot of powerful Men in institutions who are, I guess, there's a conspiracy theory out there that they were the cause of her death. Yep. Um, I knew she grew up poor, and basically she got screwed out of every contract she ever signed. I think that's one of the things, too.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, Well, Kind of, yeah. It seems like there's a mixed bag between... Them screwing her and her kind of becoming a handful to work with. Uh, mm. but, but we'll get into that. Now, final question here. I've never watched a movie, one of her movies. I'm sad to say that I never have. And I feel like I should. Yeah, I've
1: never. I mean, there were so like there were so old when we were kids that they're like the movies that are old. Your grandparents would have liked. My parents would have liked. But her like the clips from the movies are pretty iconic. Yeah. There's the one where she's in the pool. There's the one where she walks over the the grate on top of like the train station where her dress flies up. She's got mm. a lot of iconic like spots, you'd say. Like a wrestling term.
0: Yeah, I I feel like I should try to watch some of them. I've like as far as like old 50s legendary actors, I guess the only one I've really watched is I watched one or two of James Dean's movies and Wow, I he's a good actor, but man, I think he might be overblown just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was about to say James Dean too. Um he's one of the ones. And there's some other there's some other really good movies from that time, obviously. Um but yeah, like as far as you you follow actors and actresses a lot more than I do. I more follow like just Like, I like this movie. I watched that movie. You know what I mean? Like, I like genres. That's what I was about to say. I like genres a lot more than you like actual, you know, like director's names and actor's names and stuff like that. I don't pay attention to any of that.
0: Yeah. By the way, uh, number one, old timey actor in my book, James Stewart. Do you know who that is? I believe I know who that is. You You'd know, his accent. He it's like that funny made up like 50s accent. (laughs) He's like the master of it.
1: Was he the one who pretended to be like a Chinese person? He's a white guy who pretended to be a Chinese person. No, was that no, him?
0: No, that was uh, John Wayne. <laughs> no, I, that John Wayne <laughs> pretended to be Genghis Khan. Oh, Mickey, or, Ro- Mickey the uh, Rooney. Mickey, Mike, yeah,
1: Rooney, yeah, yeah, okay, Mickey Rooney. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> like the most offensive, pretty much like mainstream acting role. Yeah. In the fucking 20th century, but all right. Yeah.
0: Anyway, let's get in here. Um, Norma Jean Mortensen was born on June 1st, 1926 in Los Angeles, California. Obviously, Norma Jean Mortensen is her real name, technically. And her last name, we'll kind of discuss that. That has kind of an interesting twist to it. Now, her mother's name was Gladys Pearl Baker. And from what I can see, she did not know who her father was. And will never find out who her father was. But Norma Jean would take Baker as her surname. Now, her mother, Gladys, was from a poor Midwestern family that moved to California sometime in the beginning of the 1900s. So she's basically born and raised in California Um, interestingly before, did you know before she like really takes off with movies that she was a brunette? No, I did not. Yeah. So almost all her life, if you look up like pictures of her when she was young, she's always a brunette and she kind of in the pictures, it reminds me of like Amelia Earhart, but like a pinup girl.
1: Hmm. No, I didn't know that. Was it still a lot of black and white movies when at the time she was a brunette? No,
0: no. I think she became a blonde when she started doing movies, but she did. Well, we'll get into that. She did modeling first, but we're going to talk about that in a minute here. Okay. Now, prior to Norma's birth, Gladys, at the age of 15, this is her mother, married Mm. a man by the name of John Newton Baker Together, they had two children named Robert and Bernice. The couple would divorce in 1923, and John Newton Baker would basically kidnap Robert and Bernice, then move them back to Kentucky. So, Norma Jean, keep in mind here, Norma Jean isn't going to be born for uh, three years yet when they move away. So, Norma Jean wouldn't even realize that she had a sister or brother until she reached the age of 12. And she wouldn't even meet her sister, Bernice, until she was uh, an adult. How crazy oh, wow. is that? Yeah, that's Yeah, nuts. that's
1: insane. I mean, back then, you could basically just do shit like that. There was no, I mean, back in the 20s, there was no interstate police really to speak of. There was, you couldn't, you could just take someone across state lines and that was it.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's I don't know. They used the term "kidnapped," I guess, kind of loosely, but um, yeah, he kind of just took the kids and took off. He was, she was fifteen. Her mother, and uh, when they married, he was nine years older than her, so he was twenty-four, and she was (laughs) fifteen when they married. Yeah,
1: well, that's the old school fucking marriage. Is yikes. So a lot of uh, the women back then were usually just trying to get out of a bad situation at their
0: home. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. getting the fuck out of there at, you know, 15, 16. So uh, this is what I want to bring up. Now, I think she was born, legally born, Norma Jean Mortensen. Now, after uh, Gladys and John Newton broke up, or he left, I guess, she remarried another man by that had the last name Mortensen, but they were only married like a year, and then uh, Norma Jean was born after they divorced. So some people believe he might actually be her real father, but there's like, no, her mother never said it was or anything like that. So it's kind of a weird, obviously they're not going to probably do a DNA test on any of them, but uh, but yeah, kind of interesting.
1: Well, I can definitely see what Norma Jean's mother, Gladys, was going for there. You would want to have kind of like the name of, you know, make it seem like you knew who the father was, or mm-hmm. make it at least so that your kid doesn't have the same last name as you. So it seems like they have like a father.
0: Yeah, so, it's, I, it's, this, this is, I know what you're saying, but it's, to me, it's so weird that she, she was born with the last name of her mother's second husband, but she eventually went back to Baker, which was her mother's first husband's last name. So, uh, kind of weird. Oh, they, yeah, uh,
1: that is weird. Yeah, okay.
0: yeah. I don't, I don't know. Unless, I guess, I didn't check. Unless <laughs> her mother's official last name was Baker and she married a Baker, but I, <laughs> I guess it's possible. I mean, hopefully, I don't, it
1: wasn't a cousin situation.
0: Or... It was the 1900s. Phil, times were wild. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, he was from Kentucky, though. True, so. eh?
1: There yeah. you go. Ah, oh, mystery yeah.
0: solved right there. <laughs>
1: yeah. He wouldn't be comfortable unless she said that she was his cousin. That's probably what it was, (laughs) Kentucky style.
0: I can't marry you unless you're related to me. Come on. (laughs) Now, during the younger years of Norma Jean's life, her mother placed her under the care of evangelical Christian foster parents by the name of Albert and Ida Boulander, something like that. When Norma was seven years old, her mother had purchased a home in Hollywood where she would regain custody, and then there they would live in the house with actors George and Maude Atkinson and their daughter Nellie. Now, again, this is the 30s, so I had to doubt anybody knows who these two people were, but uh, apparently they're actors of some some sort. Um, some yoke. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the, it probably would be probably play actors right well i mean if she's living in hollywood i imagine
1: that's probably just the dawn of like the hollywood filmmaking when it was Mm. just starting to get big um i've yeah i've never heard of them nelly atkinson for some reason that name kind of rings a bell i don't know if she becomes
0: famous too but i i don't know i should have looked into it but uh that you know what's funny that's like the first thought that came into my head too is kind of like that name sounds familiar but uh Definitely, yeah. yeah. Anyway, in 1934, Gladys had a mental breakdown and would eventually be diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Basically, from this point on, her mother would spend the rest of her life in and out of hospitals, rarely ever making contact with her daughter for the rest of Norma Jean's life, which is interesting because, obviously, Norma Jean becomes Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe is like probably one of the most famous people in American history. Um, so it's it's kind of weird, but I think it's very important to keep in mind her mother's mental disorders here because her mother really, really suffered with different mental illnesses. And when we start getting into how Marilyn is, it might kind of make sense uh, for her death, I guess what I'm saying here. So keep that in mind. That's going to be an imfor- important piece of the puzzle um, to me, anyway, once we get to the, like uh, that section here. Yep. Now, because of her mother being in the hospital now, Norma Jean would become a ward of the state and would be thrown around to different families over the next, uh, next several years. Yeah,
1: I mean, really, there's a lot there. Norma Jean, that'd be a horrible time to become a ward of the state because really back then, There wasn't much difference between orphanages and insane asylums with how they treated people coming in and out. Also with some of the treatment that people who had mental disabilities were given back then. I don't know if she was still during the time of the lobotomies or if they had gone into electroshock therapy, but both would have been kind of around, I think, in that era. Maybe electroshock therapy being later, but it'd be a terrible time to... Be diagnosed with any kind of mental disorder, yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, I would, I would imagine their number one option is like shoot you up with lithium, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, and then work from there.
1: Oh, that's day one. That's the moment you yeah. enter the hospital. They are popping that in your mouth and forcing you to swallow it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not great, but uh anyway. Norma Jean, for the first 16 months after her mother left, continued living with George and Maud Atkinson. And it was here, some sources claim that she was just allegedly sexually abused. Um, keep in mind, she would have been seven, I believe. So um, I don't know if it was the Atkinsons, and I don't really know if this is true or not, but it's entirely possible, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, that was
1: really going around with that time. It was like really, not spoken of no. at all.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, especially no. in the
1: home, it was kind of the the whole king of the castle type situation. So,
0: yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because as we're about to learn, like after she gets out of the custody of the Atkinsons, never goes back with them again. So maybe there is something to that. I don't know, but uh, yeah. continuing on here, in 1935, she would live with Grace and Edwin Doc Goddard. Grace Goddard would then eventually place her in an orphanage. Now, the orphanage she was in was apparently what they called, quote, a model institution. Now, they say this because all the other kids that were there say that it was a very positive experience for them. Versus, usually when you hear an orphanage, it's like nightmare stories right it's just like <laughs> especially yeah. for the fucking 30s yikes that's like they should just put that on the sign like uh or kids orphanage and then under it just in parentheses it says yikes on it um but uh but yeah norma jean always says she felt really alone and like really abandoned uh during her time here so is kind of understanding i mean we're kind of just starting here and she hasn't really had a great life. No,
1: not at all. I mean, she's at the point now probably getting, what, nine or ten years old. And how many different families has she lived with? Her mother's probably in a probably an insane asylum, doesn't know who her father is, mm-hmm. uh, possibly sexually abused after her mother leaves her. And it's just, yeah, it's just one thing on top of another. Also, right now, Great Depression starting. World War II is, you know, spooling up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. who knows, like the the whole national psyche was starting to really break down at this time. So,
0: yeah, but uh, we do have good news. She did kind of uh, I wedge herself into a good time period as far as like being in America during World War II, which we'll find out here shortly. Finally, in 1938, Norma would start living with Grace Goddard's aunt. I don't know how the hell she became connected to this person, but her name is Anna Lower, and this was a more permanent situation for her verse, kind of being tossed around everywhere, um, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of stability, which I think is probably a very good thing. Uh, Norma Jean would enroll at Emerson Junior High School and even attend christian science services with on a lower so that was fun what do you think about christian science services phil well of course christian (laughs) science is the best science everyone knows that (laughs) what do you even like are they just putting science in front of it to make it sound like more legit or like you know what i mean I'm guessing that that science book probably
1: is the size of a pamphlet mm. and definitely has a picture of Fred Flintstone riding the dinosaur
0: <laughs> Probably that he works on. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting because they, they say Norma Jean through high school was just kind of like your average student, nothing extraordinary. Mm. You know, it's probably just kind of like, I mean, I was going to say like you and I, but I forget you and I were kind of fuckheads, so... Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. that's not the best thing. Just an average student, you know, just a normal student. So that, I mean, that's pretty good considering less her situation. Sh- less of a
1: shit person than we were. Yes, so exactly. I, I imagine the start that she's had in her life. She's probably learned just to kind of keep her head down, right. especially you hear about some of those orphanages and foster homes. I imagine you learn to just kind of blend into the walls. So,
0: yeah, it did say she's, she was a very like shy child. Um, Mm. so obviously if you're shy as a child, doesn't mean you're going to be shy as an adult, but, uh, kind of interesting when you think about Marilyn Monroe to be a shy person, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a lot of, you hear about some of these, like the singers and actors and actresses that, or comedians, especially you would think that, oh yeah, like, like Jim Carrey, you'd think, oh, he was, you know, outgoing with everybody, you know, just a life of the party, but really. Like, deep down inside, from what I've heard, he's, like, a very shy, reserved person. But it's the whole, like, him, like, busting out into characters. It's his way of coping with his shyness. Yeah. So, I think, really, if you you are an outgoing, you kind of, like, peak when you're in high school, I don't see that type of person becoming, like, a huge star. It's never the person who peaks in high school that becomes, like, the huge star. It's someone who kind of builds up and builds up and then eventually breaks out, Mm. you know?
0: Unless you're Tom Cruise.
1: Yeah, unless you're Tom Cruise. <laughs> I don't know if he had
0: a great high I, uh, school life or I, I whatnot. Just, I,
1: I can't imagine someone who's four foot seven having an awesome high school. You know,
0: Well, I'm pretty sure he was just birthed from Zenu's egg and he didn't even have to attend school. He's just born in a full adult man's body.
1: Oh, yeah. Totally clear. Everyone knows that. (laughs) Totally
0: clear. Eventually, Anna Lower's health would start failing and Norma would return to the custody of the Goddards. In 1942, Doc Goddard was planning to move to West Virginia, but found found out the law prevented Norma Jean from going with them as some sort of child protection law. Thus, she would have to return to the orphanage if he moved away. That was the only option. Now, they found a workaround for Norma Jean, not necessarily a great one, but she would marry her 21-year-old neighbor, James Doherty, who was a factory worker. After they married at the age of 16, Norma Jean would drop out of high school and plan on just becoming a housewife. Eventually, in April of 1944, Doherty was shipped out to the Pacific Theater. So, what do you think about that Workaround to avoid going to the orphanage, Phil.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a really that's a really <laughs> weird workaround. Here's the only thing I can think of. Now this James Doherty guy, he I don't know if he lives out of if he survives World War II, if he survives the Pacific Pacific Theater. Could you imagine him in 20 years sitting in a bar, seeing Marilyn Monroe like on the TV or in a magazine or something, and just like nudging the guy next to him, and be like, "Yeah, I was married to her." <laughs> like no one would believe. No, no, you would have to like not. show pictures and everything.
0: Well, as we're about to learn, uh, learn pretty quick here. I think. Well, number one, I think after they got married, they pretty quickly realized like they didn't necessarily mesh very well together because it was kind like somewhat of a forced marriage. Um, so that's kind of to be expected. But they they will stay along for quite a while or together for quite a while. But it will become pretty clear. In uh, Marilyn Monroe's, you know, mind that she's destined for much bigger things than James Doherty is. Yeah, but could you imagine if
1: he had just held on and, you know, kind of like stuck with it? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. just luckiest guy that he that fell into his lap pretty much just like the hottest woman on Earth at the time, like in, in, you know, in 15, 20 years, she was going to be. But. At that, like he, you know, he got it from the crack. It's like from the start. So it's just amazing to me that this dude just kind of it fell into his lap. But whatever. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's crazy to nowadays to think of a 16 year old <laughs> staying out of an orphanage by marrying a 21 year old in the state being like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's totally legal. Yeah, good. Good. Good for you. kids. Go, Go for it.
0: I'm going to say I'm kind of glad we've evolved as humans because that is. Not only pedophilia, technically, but it's very... It's super creepy. Like, yeah. just thinking about it. Well, I mean, there it.
1: are some states that are still probably like this. Yeah. But most Texas. of the states have evolved as a society.
0: Yeah, it's just... I know it was a different time, but it's just like, oh my god, so weird. It's just so weird. I don't know. Anyway. Now, Norma Jean was working at Radio Plane Company, which was a munitions factory while her husband was away uh, during the war. This is when she met David Conover, who is making a motion picture to boost morale by showing all the ladies working in the factories. So that's kind of cool. I think he was actually hired mm. by the not air. Was it the Air Force then? What was it called? What was that sect of it called? Army Air Corps. Was that what was called? Yeah, I think he was hired by them oddly enough. But I guess uh, nothing, nothing like a good old uh, wartime propaganda to cheer the boys up, right? Oh yeah, that was definitely the 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 World
1: War Two propaganda. I mean, uh, during World War One, there was a lot of print propaganda that came out, but for films, it was huge back in the late forties, trying to get people to buy war bonds, support mm-hmm. the war effort. You know, turn in their unused like their tin and shit.
0: So, so, but it was pretty cool. Like like I said, uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe, she was. Like, she was helping the war effort, you know, by working in the munitions factory, so that's kind of cool. I didn't know that, obviously, but uh, that's, that's pretty cool. In January 1945, Norma Jean started doing modeling gigs for Conover. She would eventually sign a contract with Blue Book Model Agency and would eventually appear on 33 magazine covers as a model. She used the name Jean Norman. So she <laughs> switched yeah. her first names around there. <laughs>
1: Norma Jean. Well, she, I mean, Norma Jean, I guess if you were trying to make it big, you wouldn't want to sound like a Midwestern hick. You kind of yeah. want a little bit more sophisticated name. So, <laughs> so you go to yeah, G- I guess Jean Norman.
0: <laughs> uh, here's the thing though. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, 60 years, 70 years past, but I'm like, if she didn't become Marilyn Monroe, which is like one of the most iconic names ever, like honestly, Norma Jean, I think's pretty a pretty fucking stellar name right now.
1: Norma Jean. Yeah. It, I mean, it it sounds kind of kind of hillbillyish a little bit, <laughs> you know. Uh, you have to okay. The way you know if a name is like hillbilly-ish is uh, just imagine the most redneck woman. It <laughs> imagine the most redneck woman like screaming the name of her kid out. Just like that, you know, like Norma Jean, you know, something <laughs> like that. It's very very rednecky. So kind
0: of. how many Norma Jeans were storming the Capitol?
1: Oh, I don't know. Probably <laughs> quite a few. Or they had kids that were Norma Jean, Jamie. <laughs> Toothless overall wearing shoeless <laughs> children.
0: In nineteen forty-six, when Norma Jean started her acting career, she took on the screen name of Marilyn Monroe. Also, would officially divorce Doherty in 1946. So her acting career starts, his ass is out the door. It did sound like he was getting jealous and, like, possessive um, of her success, so that probably is a leading reason for the divorce as well. Um, yeah. So so there's that. It seems like a lot of these people that she kind of gets involved with, uh, that's kind of their—it's like a problem that she had, like— they always seem to get jealous of her success and the fact that she was kind of like a sex symbol. I think they the 1950s man was very insecure and didn't felt very uncomfortable with any sort of a uh, lady having, you know, popularity and success. And it seems like a lot of the people that she gets romantically involved with are kind of this exact same type of person.
1: Yeah, well it was like I was saying before. I mean, the poor dumb bastard should have stuck it out. He would have, you know, went to the fucking moon along with her. But she maybe not a, would have gotten as popular with that anchor, you know, tiring her down. Yeah. I was also gonna say, possibly Marilyn Monroe. Maybe, maybe she was actually searching for this because of her upbringing. Maybe she was looking for kind of like the strong person, like some stability in her life that mm-hmm. she had never really had.
0: Like mm-hmm. it could be. I. I It's hard to say. It just seems like all these dudes that she kind of gets ends up getting married to are always like the same type of personality, which, uh, yeah, Yeah. are, are not, I wouldn't say the ideal person to boot for her. Um, I think she's too strong of a woman kind of type of thing for them. That's what I would say, but, uh, who knows?
1: I I was going to say too, I could also see just like if, imagine if you were married to a woman who all of a sudden was just growing in popularity more and more and more and then eventually becoming world famous and whenever anyone takes a picture they always cut you out of the picture because you're just that dude or you know (laughs) what i mean like they're they're focusing everyone's focusing on her no matter what you do it's always about her i mean i could see how that could really like trash a human psyche especially You know, these unevolved motherfuckers living back then. Think
0: about the first man. We have the first man in the or the first lady's man in the White House right, right now, and he's taking it just fine. Okay, so if he can take it, anybody can take it, Phil.
1: The first lady's man.
0: Well, I mean, talk about <laughs> Bill Clinton. No, no. Kamala Harris's husband. Oh, the 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 second gentleman, the, the second gentleman. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, nobody cares about him, but like he's <laughs> taking first it fine. ladies man. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, you, you know what I mean? He's he's fine with it. He doesn't care. Yeah.
1: Even however you said that, like <laughs> the first ladies man is technically Joe Biden
0: is this, it i thought that was well, uh i thought that was like william taft or something
1: no because well the first lady her man is her husband joe biden so that's i i was trying to decipher what you were saying like you could have went a few different ways yeah. with it but yeah uh, i think they call him the second gentleman is kind of his husband the second
0: yeah. gen okay well you know i get words mixed up in my head phil yeah, I did. <laughs> Some of her first roles were in the movies Dangerous Sears and Scoota Ho, Scoota Hey. I don't I really don't know what the fuck that second movie title is, but okay.
1: Uh, Might be worth a Google.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh she was also in a Paps beer commercial and started doing artistic nudes, which of course, the prude fifties uh, will that kind of they'll kind of like dig that up and make fun of her for it, which is kind of shitty. Apparently, as well. This is what I heard. So she started doing nudes during this time, right? And mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner stole one of her nudes and put it on the cover of Playboy without her permission. Um, yeah, that's kind of messed up, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just another one of the things. Kind of back then, just. People just doing whatever the fuck they like because, yeah. you know, the laws were kind of, the laws were written, but they weren't exactly, if you, I mean, it's just the same with now. If you had money and lawyers, who's going to fuck with, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Kind of hard to come
0: after an empire, so. Now, even, she had, keep in mind, at this point, she had kind of small roles in those films. She was just kind of like a, not an, above an extra, whatever you would call that. She was, like uh, a. A like a secondary pair. character. Yeah. So she wasn't really... she Her stardom hadn't taken off quite yet, but she did become, this is what it says, a mistress to a man by the name of Johnny Hyde, who was a huge talent agent at the time. Through him, she got roles in such films as All About Eve and The Asphalt Jungle uh, while she was kind of romantically involved with Johnny, Hi- uh, Johnny Hyde, he would die that same year of a heart attack. So she didn't date him for too long, but the Asphalt Jungle, I feel like I've heard of that movie before. Have you?
1: Yes. I think I've heard of that movie.
0: Yeah. I have, I've heard about all about Eve also. Oh, you have. Okay. All right. I've never, yeah. I don't think it I've sounds ever heard familiar of at least. So. Yeah. Oh, God, I need to watch some of these movies just to kind of get it, an idea of uh, of uh, what she was like in these movies. I'm kind of interested. Mm. Now, like I said, even though she had little roles in those last movie, they could tell that she there's something special about her. Like she had what it takes to be a good actress. They could just tell that from even the small roles she had. So in 1951, she would star in As Young as You Feel, Love Nest, and Let's Make It Legal. I don't know about that last movie title. I feel like uh that could be applied to her and James Dougherty <laughs> Doherty, possibly yeah, I don't maybe it's a uh law office movie or something I don't know. It's kind of weird.
1: something about child abuse and then no, 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 let's let's just go ahead and make it legal.
0: That's, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Uh, Trump's second presidency. Let's make it legal. No, just kidding. <laughs> now, it seems like after those films is when she would really be put into the spotlight. She would even earn the title of Miss Cheesecake of 1951 by the army newspaper Stars and Stripes. Well, I don't know why it's called Mrs. Cheesecake. I have no fucking idea.
1: Yeah, Miss Cheesecake of
0: 1951.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, well... <laughs> I mean, it must be because of the pinups that she did. Ah, I think Stars and Stripes is still around. I know 1951, we were in the Korean War.
0: Mm. So Yeah, she was, I, I can't remember. She, I think she did a lot of pinups for the Korean soldiers or something like that. She was very involved in that war as well for like morale boost or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what Miss Cheesecake is. I just thought it was a funny, funny title to earn there, Phil. Um, yeah. Now, sometime in 1952, Marilyn would start a very public relationship with New York Yankee star Joe DiMaggio. You know this guy, right?
1: Oh yeah, a famous baseball player. Everybody yeah. knows. This
0: is <laughs> one of her her big uh, kind of affair deals. So I don't think it was an affair. I think they were like one, legitimately together. Well, no, not a
1: not an affair. Like they were cheating on other. It's you know relationship.
0: Yeah. Like, I see I see what you like a trick. Different word. Yeah. I gotcha, gotcha. Now, through the 50s, Marilyn would star in the movies Clash by Night, Niagara, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, How to Marry a Millionaire, and There's No Business Like Show Business. You heard of any of these titles, Phil?
1: Yeah, those were some of her bigger movies. Uh Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and How to Marry a Millionaire. That's I mean, there's some of the iconic ones that she's in.
0: Now, here's what I thought was really interesting in kind of like these movies, um, even though she's obviously kind of like the sex symbol for the century, in my mind, um, she was viewed as a comedic actress ver- uh during these movies, which I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't really think of her in that light, but apparently she was a very, very good comedic actress.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of the like the symbolism of Marilyn Monroe that's lived on is like the sex symbol, but her acting ability and like a lot of the, a lot of the things she's known for nowadays, like kind of like the, the famous clips that I mentioned aren't really her speaking as much as just seeing her or like things that she's doing, like funny things. Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. now this is uh kind of, we're going to talk about the darker side of Marilyn here a little bit. Now, it was during the filming of those last movies listed that Marilyn started to become known as a handful to work with. It was said that because of her combination of perfectionism, low self-esteem, and stage fright, it caused her to suffer from anxiety, which also, which also because of her chronic insomnia, she would start using barbiturates, amphetamines, and booze. Now, obviously... the Breakfast though-
1: of champions. <laughs> there we go.
0: Obviously, those one of those drugs is going to be very important in her death. But it really states she started using this these things mainly as like a a a boost for her acting or the barbiturates to fall asleep, uh, and then the booze, I guess, just because that's what you did in the fifties. But the the thing is, is like she was considered a light user at this point. Obviously, mm. over the next ten years, she's gonna intensify that a whole bunch, but you can see that even kind of in the beginning of her acting career, she still has um something that is drawing her to these substances, you know, some sort of uh mental problems, which I believe probably are connected to her mother having them as well. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean back then it's it's still pretty bad now. Um the rigorous schedule of being an actor or an actress on these movie sets. And the kind of life that they were living, the parties, you know, the appearances. I imagine wanting, you know, at certain times you need to be up. At certain times you need to come down and trying to manage that. And the booze is just everyone, you know, boosted up. So mm.
0: now the, the thing about her being difficult to work with that I was reading is essentially one of her main things is because even though like you would think someone like her has like an outstanding amount of like charisma and confidence about her. I think it might've been actually the opposite for Marilyn where she actually suffered from quite a bit of stage fright. So Mm. because of that, she had to have like everything perfect before she, she did acting scene or whatever. And the producers thought it was kind of like too much to deal with. Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting, but you know, sometimes we got to remember even those, You know, she's obviously like an icon, right? Um, Sometimes you got to remember that in the end, these are regular people as well.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, really all that the outside world sees is the shiny veneer of the, you know, the perfect looking person that's on stage. They don't really see, you know, when they when they call cut and she goes back to her trailer and does, you know, whatever she needs to do just to get her back on set in 30 minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of sad. Now, I'm going to read you a few kind of uh, interesting tidbits about Marilyn Monroe that I thought were kind of funny. Now, apparently she had a very weird diet. She would drink a glass full of raw eggs stirred in with her milk for her breakfast. Yuck. How
1: disgusting
0: is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, she might have been like a like bit of a bodybuilder. I know. Uh, they, I don't... do not the egg thing. Oh. But, I mean, she looked pretty good. So, yeah. you know, I... Back I then, get... back then the, you know, it wasn't all about being real thin, and you know, she had a, she had a little bit of a little. I don't want to call her fat. She was uh, a little thick. That yeah. was, you know, I like, will. Everyone Phil, loved that. So Phil, maybe that
0: all the fat. I would say she was an average size woman. Is what I would say, Phil. Yeah, well, Normal. no, compared
1: to, you know,
0: actresses nowadays, right, that's right. what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Now, she yeah. al- she also would claim that she was, quote, part rapid because she would eat an abnormally high amount of carrots every single day. Maybe this is uh, beneficial to a diet as well. You drink raw eggs with milk in the morning and then you just eat carrots all day. Maybe that gives you the Marilyn Monroe appearance.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe <laughs> it gave her really good sight. Uh the part rabbit thing's probably a joke yeah, just because yeah, of obviously. how many carrots she ate. But yeah. I don't think she's actually at this time mentally unstable. She likes no, she's no, actually no, no. part rabbit. No, but.
0: that was it was clearly a joke, but uh I yeah. thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> now yeah. she was apparently also exceedingly obsessed with her appearance. She would wash her face up to 15 times a day. To avoid any chance of having breakouts. Holy fuck. That, I mean, I I feel like that's probably not good for you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> you know, I isn't yeah. there like a thing about you should retain some of your body's natural oils? Yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, it would dry you out pretty bad if you yeah. washed. It sounds weird, but like washing your face that many times would dry you the fuck out. So,
0: yeah. I don't, I I don't know. That just, and if you think about the makeup during this time period, probably had fucking arsenic and fucking lead. Yeah. Everything (laughs) you can imagine in it. Just like, yikes. Now, she also never waxed her face, believing her peach fuzz made her face look softer and more photogenic, which is kind of, kind of interesting because when you think about Marilyn Monroe you do think of a very like soft face and every kind of like not a baby face, but like a, a very soft face. So maybe that is true.
1: Yeah. I always kind of thought it was the way that they lit her kind of like, almost like her face has like a weird shine to it, mm. but maybe it was that, I mean, because be. all of the other, everyone else, you know, must've shaved either shaved Cause no actor had a mustache or a beard at that time. Everyone was queen shaven. Um, unless you count, what was uh? Who had the Hitler stash? What was his name?
0: <laughs> Hitler. That's <was> Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> oh, that Charlie was Chaplin. <laughs> yeah, that was in the thirties. He had everybody's the stash, a, everybody's but... very aware of uh, Adolf Hitler right
1: now. <laughs> yeah. No, there's uh. So yeah, I can see maybe that is what kind of because whenever whenever you picture her on like on like a in a picture or a in a movie, you always kind of think of there's like this glow around her and that could possibly be like the. A little bit of like peach fuzz on her face that she didn't shave off.
0: Hmm. Could be. I I'm not sure. All right. Continuing on here, Phil. Uh, In 1954, Marilyn and Joe DiMaggio would officially marry. It was in 1954 onward when Marilyn starred in some of the movies that she will be best known for, which includes The Seven Year Itch, which what scene is in this that is the uber popular one, Phil?
1: Is that the pool scene or the subway great scene? The
0: subway great
1: scene. The subway great scene. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, it's uh the I've never watched it, but it's uh, she's supposed to be like my understanding is she's like the hot neighbor and the neighbor's like attracted to her or something. It's uh, something like that. Uh, mm. also the movie Bus Stop, The Prince and The Showgirl, and Some Like It Hot. Which in the movie, Some Like It Hot, she would become critically acclaimed and won a Golden Globe for in 1960. So, fuck yeah, Marilyn. You did. Yeah, Some
1: Like It Hot's the really big one
0: that she's in. Yeah. I think these movies, from my understanding, are more of a serious acting role versus like Mm -hmm. the comedic ones that she, she started out with. Now, Marilyn and Joe DiMaggio would divorce because apparently Joe was very jealous and a possessive type. and when Marilyn became famous for the wind blowing her skirt up, he was not happy about it. So because of his personal insecurities about that movie essentially led to them getting a divorce. Hmm. that's uh yeah, so I'm I'm sorry they divorced the same year they married, I should say as well. so yeah, he really wasn't happy about that. Oh, they didn't even last the full no. No, but they married and divorced mm. same year. Oh, okay. So there was
1: seven-year itch was back in 1954, but the, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Some Like sorry. It Hot was in 1960. So they divorced before Some Like It Hot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Oh, sorry. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You. yeah. Yep. It was after the seven-year itch they divorced. Sorry, that was my bad. But uh, actually, I think Some Like It Hot was like 19, I know it was like two years after the movie came out that she won the award. So they must have handled it differently back then. But uh, it, I know it wasn't the same year. Okay. But anyway, I guess that's not neither here nor there. In 1956, she married a playwright by the name of Arthur Miller. She, this is kind of my, she apparently converted to Judaism just for him to get married. But sadly, yeah. they would divorce in 1961. So I guess their marriage lasted uh, five years. Not too bad. But uh, yeah. the sorry, her. I was gonna say her. Her
1: five-year marriage lasted about 500% longer than her average, so yeah. she was doing pretty good with that one.
0: Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Now, the, the awkward thing was that Marilyn and Arthur had to work together on her very last movie, The Misfits, um, so Ooh. that had to be a little awkward for the both of them. <laughs> yeah. But I think he died before the... Okay, they were... they obviously worked together on the movie, but he ended up dying before the movie actually got released. So it's a little tragic there. People didn't live very long during this time, I'm learning.
1: No, especially not if you had the kind of lives that these people had. I mean, it was everyone, most people in a country were pretty much just going to work all day, killing themselves there, and then drowning their sorrows in alcohol. These, these people were the same, but they had much better drugs and alcohol and much more <laughs> of it. So,
0: Very true. Now, I'm going to tell you a fact that I didn't know that I think is just it just blows my mind. Now, Truman Capote, do you know who that is? Yes. OK, so he was lobbying for Marilyn Monroe to be the star actress in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. We all know that movie. We all heard of that movie. But it was eventually given to Audrey Hepburn because the producers thought that Marilyn Monroe was just too much to handle. Mm.
1: Think about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, at this time, I could see her reputation starting to follow her around with that. I mean, it is. I'm trying to think. Would it have been more or less popular if Marilyn Monroe was in it? Because it was still like a huge movie. Uh, so
0: I, it's hard to say. I mean, I. I I don't know if I would say Audrey Hepburn's a more famous or as far as actresses go, I think Audrey Hepburn might be more successful than Marilyn Monroe. Obviously, as far as like stardom goes, Marilyn like crushes are pretty good, but, uh, but yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Audrey Hepburn is, was in a lot of movies and a lot of really good movies. So I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, uh, the, the world would be different for sure.
1: They probably figured she was a safer bet. I imagine going with her rather than Marilyn Monroe. But well,
0: well it seems like Hollywood had kind of known that if you want Marilyn acting in your movie you're going to have to kind of put up with her antics. So yep. they were just kind of like, well we have the fresh off the fresh off the bus uh, Audrey Hepburn here, let's just put her
1: in. <laughs> yeah. When you when you hire Marilyn Monroe, it's a uh, it's a big shit sandwich and everyone has to take a bite in kind a of situation. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh but uh, I guess some you know you're going to hear on our Between the Bumbles from this last week that uh, a lot of celebrities are kind of a nightmare sometimes. It was in 1962 when Marilyn became involved with probably her most infamous affair, and that being with, of course, John F. Kennedy. Now, Marilyn was supposed to be begin filming the comedy Something's Gotta Give. However, for some reason, I don't know why, she decided to skip out on that travel to New York and do the very famous happy birthday for President John Kennedy. I think we've all kind of seen this video or heard her singing it, or at least.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's just sitting there, just shit-eating grin on his face. Like,
0: yeah, that's mine. <laughs> definitely. It Here's the thing. Like, because she did this and skipped out on that movie, she got fired from the set. And then mm-hmm. just kind of was like never in a movie again. And it seems like at this point is when her mental health just kind of like plummeted and like just went down the drain. I don't know. We'll t- we'll talk about if Kennedy was a little bit responsible for that. I don't know. But we'll get into that in just a minute here. The no.
1: goddamn CIA.
0: <laughs> now, after, like I said, after this, Marilyn Monroe turned into a bit of a recluse. She was living at twelve three oh five Helena Drive in Los Angeles. The story goes that it was the evening of August fourth, nineteen sixty two, and Marilyn's housekeeper was staying the night. At approximately three AM, the housekeeper saw that the light was still on in Marilyn's bedroom and was pounding on the door, but couldn't seem to get any response from her. So the housekeeper contacted Marilyn's psychiatrist Ralph Greenson Ralph would break into the window and find Marilyn laying on her bed dead. Eventually, the toxicology would show that she had an insane amount of barbiturates in her system. Now, where the conspiracy theories start with Marilyn Monroe was, not only was it shocking for the world to see one of the most iconic actresses of the century die abruptly, but also added to the fact that the LAPD ruled her death as, quote, "...probable suicide." Now, some people also lean on the fact that from where she was laying, there's a shitload of empty pill bottles kind of around her body, which to them makes it seem like something was staged. So the real question is, was it actually a suicide or could somebody have wanted her dead? Now, as Phil mentioned, the main linchpin... Of her being involved with powerful men's kind of revolves around the fucking Kennedys, doesn't it?
1: Yes. Definitely. Both brothers. Yes.
0: As we'll we'll talk about here. Now, I couldn't see for certain. It didn't seem like there was any definitive proof that she was 100% certainly sleeping with JFK or RFK. But it is possible that she had short stints with both of them. Now... Um, obviously I think it's pretty cut and dry that JFK would cheat on Jackie, like pretty fucking constantly. Um, I don't think that's a shock to anybody. What do you, what do you think? Do you think, even though there's no proof necessarily, which one do you think she was involved with? Definitely from
1: what I've heard, the conspiracy is that she was having an affair with John F. Kennedy and one of the, I'm not sure, uh, if there's as much conspiracy, it's not as big, the Robert Robert F. Kennedy. It's not yeah. obviously as big as the JFK one. But definitely, yeah, John Kennedy, he would take any opportunity he could from all of the leaks and all of the history to cheat on his wife. So
0: Right. Now, the main conspiracy about, okay, why would, let's just say, uh, to start this off, why would John Kennedy want her dead okay well the story goes is that he had told her a little bit too much information maybe in their bedroom chats or whatever so she knew a few too many government secrets or added to the fact that their affair was becoming so public and because he was president they didn't want to smear his image so they had her killed off now the only real alleged i'm air quoting here with my fingies, uh, evidence that they have and we don't really know if there's actually any truth to this is that she allegedly had a red diary which went into detail about all of her sexual relationships so if this thing actually exists this red diary this mysterious red diary and she was having in fact an affair with JFK he would probably be in said book have you heard about the red diary no not. I mean I've
1: heard that she did keep a diary. I didn't hear that it was called like a red diary or that it was red. But yeah, I have heard that she kept a diary and it was about all of her liaisons. So.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if that's real and I would assume JFK is in there. Um Do you think maybe she had like a weirdly strong attraction to JFK? I think
1: it just goes back to the, the powerful men situation That she constantly, you know, she keeps seeming to go after like one, one type of dude, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's like that stability thing. Um, Also, the more and more popular she gets, the the bigger and bigger person, you know, not big as in, you know, large, but like in popularity, like Joe DiMaggio, like biggest baseball player in the world at the time, still not as big as the president of the United States, you know, JFK, the fucking Camelot. You know everything <laughs> goes along with it, so
0: <laughs> I feel like JFK is like literally the most unstable person you can of, Like Jesus Christ, ah, Jack. Oh, no, the image, the oh, image yes, thing. Yes. It's the okay. no in
1: real life. God no, he's no in real. That's the thing about these people. It's of their image. Their image is stability. What they portray is stability. But, but all three of those dudes obviously couldn't handle her because it. of her success. Yeah. Once. You know, they, you know, they wanted to project all of this power and strength. But in reality, if they couldn't control something, absolutely, they just cut it loose. Right. Couldn't, couldn't handle it or tried to, you know, like Jackie Kennedy, like famously was kind of like kept really like down, like down in a corner pretty much um, from like John F. Kennedy and wasn't really allowed to like, she kind of came out of her shell after he died, but that's like almost like she was free of him. Pretty right, much.
0: Phil. I love that. I I actually now they explain that. I I love that comparison there. Uh, I love that actually. So now the back to the little red diary here. According to Lionel Grandin, <laughs> I think it's Grandison, um, who is one of the coroners that worked on the autopsy of Marilyn Monroe, he would later claim that he had actually physically seen this mysterious red diary, and he also claims that when her body came in and they were examining it, her body had bruises all over it, okay? So had you heard this at all?
1: Yeah, I did hear there's a conspiracy that she may have been, like, injected in Mm -hmm. some way with Mm -hmm. the medicine, so.
0: Yeah, because obviously, as we know, she did like her barbiturates. Um, It's, I, I don't know, it's just kind of a... It's kind of a hard scenario. I've obviously heard about the injection. I guess that's how the. If I think we should point this out, like a lot of these people who would have maybe had a reason to kill her, even though it's like really loosely. Obviously, the assassination would have been probably a uh, forced injection of the barbiturates to create an overdose to make it look like suicide. Obviously, you know. Um. But uh, yeah. But yeah. So now the thing about Lionel. Okay, that sounds all well and good, but uh, his validity kind of gets brought into question because he would eventually be fired from that said coroner's office for stealing items from the corpses that he worked with. So I don't know if I would call him necessarily the most trustworthy person to say something like this. Although, I guess if you really want to go into like the what do they call it, where there's like a conspiracy. Building on a conspiracy that they fired him for exposing the murder of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, but I think it's, all, it's a little too deep. It's all
1: part of the cover up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, but yeah, he they did, cover up different cover ups. I feel like somebody who robs the fucking corpses that he's doing autopsies on might be kind of a shitty person.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely. If you if if he was doing that in real life, if he was actually doing that and it wasn't just a smear campaign, then, yeah, definitely. What a what a dick. Stealing. Yeah, absolutely. Stealing from dead people. Yeah, definitely. All
0: right. What do you. Well, actually, let's go through all these and then I'll ask you about them. Now, the second one, I guess would kind of lean on her having an a tryst with Robert Kennedy and that's that the mob had her killed. Now the reason this kind of gets brought into question is because like you did an episode on Robert Kennedy and obviously Robert Kennedy was big dick in the mob. He was trying to destroy him. Wasn't he? Yes. Now some speculate that it wasn't simply just the mob, but it was actually Jimmy Hoffa who apparently Robert Kennedy was pushing really hard after. Um, Do you remember this? Yes.
1: Yeah. So basically he was using his power as it was secretary of state to go after all of the the mobsters. And then Jimmy Hoffa was one of the big ones that he was trying to pin down.
0: Yeah. So some people think either the mob or more specifically Jimmy Hoffa ordered a hit on Marilyn Monroe as some sort of retaliation murder. Like Somehow that they knew that would really hit the Kennedys or specifically Robert Kennedy really hard. What do you what do you think about that one? Have you heard that one? I mean, it'd be if
1: you were trying to send a message, then definitely it's the one. So you obviously can't go directly after their family. That would be suicide. They would completely steamroll everything. The floodgates would open Um, if they did go after a mistress. They would have to make it a high profile mistress. So I could see that Um, if you uh, so if they would have killed the like the like I did the episode on the woman who was having an affair with JFK and she was killed a year after his death, like rubbing her out wouldn't have made as big of a splash as Marilyn Monroe. She was the highest target you could hit. Without going after the family directly, so and that's any of the Kennedys. They were all like royalty at that time.
0: Here's a here's let, let's add another layer to that conspiracy. What if Marilyn was doing like under undercover stuff for them? Like she was telling them about the mobsters involved in Hollywood or something.
1: Um, I mean that's
0: yeah, that could be part of it.
1: I've never never really heard about that.
0: No, because I but... just made it up. <laughs> Oh
1: yeah, it's <laughs> good point. Um, maybe she was telling him about the communists that
0: were involved. Ooh, know. that's our next. What was that? One, the '60s? Phil.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a big time for that. So
0: yeah, that's uh that's actually our next conspiracy, here, Phil. The oh, nice. uh, the CIA or FBI had her killed. Now this is obviously a little bit more of a uh, wilder conspiracy, but some people claim that Marilyn Monroe was a communist sympathizer. Or was at least very friendly with them. Now, obviously during this time period, the U.S. government was exceedingly terrified of communism. If Marilyn Monroe had learned a bunch of government secrets from JFK or RFK and was a fan of communism, the government would want to not allow her to expose U.S. government secrets to the communists. What do you think about that one? Oh, yeah, I'm
1: sure old uh, Hoover was sitting in his nicest pumps and his, you know, floral dress, just seething at the thought of Marilyn Monroe, not only having prettier dresses than him, but also having all of this information. He would definitely want to take her out.
0: <laughs> uh, he was probably pissed that, yeah, she looked so much better in a dress than he did. Yes,
1: definitely. Because <laughs> that's what motivated him most of all, as we all know. So
0: now... <laughs> Read a book, I mean, come on. (laughs) Now, the next one involves aliens. Now, this is kind of just one for fun here. Some people think that JFK told Marilyn all about the U.S. government's involvement with aliens and all the specifics about Roswell, New Mexico. Now, they're kind of linking that if JFK knew something along these lines, he was killed, and because she knew something, she was killed as well. What do you think about this? I mean, that's kind
1: of... Kind Of going a little, you know, <laughs> a little far, a little weird direction. Um, <laughs> saying that he knew stuff about Roswell. Roswell had happened like what 14 years before this. So, well, he,
0: remember his I boy, mean, his boy Eisenhower, had set up a treaty with him. So, obviously, JFK had to know something, right?
1: I don't, I don't. Well, Eisenhower was the uh, the president before they were in different parties, so I don't know if it was his boy, but <laughs> Nixon. Eisenhower was Nixon's boy. Right. Well, the opposite way around. Nixon was Eisenhower's boy. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really good fodder for conspiracy theories. If you can kind of mix together JFK, Marilyn Monroe, Roswell, the alien treaty under, you know, Eisenhower. It's 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 nice. It, It builds a nice big conspiracy, but it's kind of hard to think that. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. You it's know. The only
1: problem is aliens weren't really that big. We've we kind of talked about this before. Aliens didn't re- really reach their like the heights until like the seventies and eighties. That's when they like started really like coming up. It wasn't. It was. It was all thought of as kind of like ridiculous until more and more stuff came out, uh, more right. and more leaks, and more and more you know, right. More and more stories came out about aliens and flying saucers and whatnot.
0: Right now. Uh, our last one, and then we'll discuss here. Uh, it was simply a suicide. I, you know, this is probably the most logical one, as you can kind of see in her life. Marilyn had a really tough childhood. Um, she didn't really have a mom. Uh, she didn't know who her dad was. You could kind of see through her, her. Main crux of her acting career, she definitely suffered from mental illnesses, maybe stuff that was undiagnosed. She had gotten addicted to drugs, was like slowly increasing them. And then, you know, there people lean on the probable suicide thing, which seems fishy at at first glance. But the main reason they did this was because they couldn't automatically rule it a suicide and they couldn't automatically rule it an accidental overdose. Because she did mm. like to take those drugs. So it's kind of just like they couldn't necessarily pinpoint one or the other. So they just put suicide was the most logical explanation for it. So it was a probable suicide. But obviously you just put probable in front of suicide and instantly people are like, oh, that's fishy. You know, so um, there's I think Marilyn Monroe is just a. uh um, great actress, you know, she will be remembered for a long time, a Mo- lot of people look up to her still to this day, God, you go to Las Vegas, Los Angeles, wherever, there's fucking people who impersonate her constantly, um, so she's, uh, you know, kind of like a icon for the the, the 21st century now, um, but so, yeah, her death, I think, was just, a lot of people just couldn't handle it, I, I, I don't really know, what do you... What do you feel like, Phil? What do you what what calls to you? Do you believe in a conspiracy or do you believe she just had a tragic ending to her life? What do you think?
1: Well, you were talking about the suicide thing. Her mother obviously, you know, battled mental illness. Mental illness can be, you know, genetic and we really see she had a tough upbringing. She also, the only time she had re- any real stability in her life was a couple of years during maybe junior high and high school. Right. And then 16 years old, that family that, well, she was living with the aunts of that family, but that family, um, after they took her in, they decided to move. And now she needs to get married to a 21-year-old neighbor while she's 16. She's out of school, you know, working. She just has a string of crazy relationships after that. The longest one, like we mentioned, was five years. And obviously, he was super jealous of her. And it's just, it's one of those things where, I can see how – I mean there's – I'm not sure exactly. There are sometimes when people overdose is if they try to cut out drugs for a while and then they finally break and they go back to drugs. The problem is it's not – if. so say someone was out not using that much drugs or not using drugs at all for an extended period or a short period of time. They would immediately go back to the amount of drugs that they had used prior to them uh, going abstinent from the drugs. So that would cause an overdose if they, um, I'm not sure exactly if she maybe had tried to like curb her drug abuse and then tried to use the same amount. But that's kind of like what I would go with if I had to like make a guess at this was maybe this was like an above average amount of drugs that she used. And she just kind of mixed the cocktail wrong that night and Wound up dead in a room.
0: Yeah. It could that's very possible. I think the empty pill bottles next to her is a little weird, but uh but it's oh. it's hard to say. Like maybe she it, it could be that I don't really know. The what? thing the thing is is like my understanding, Phil, is through like the last few months of her life, like nobody really knew what she was doing. She was just kinda like hanging out in her room and like didn't really communicate with anybody.
1: Okay. well, I was also thinking it was kind of weird, too, um, that she you said that the housekeeper woke her or tried to pound on her door, tried to break down her door at 3 a.m. when the lights were off. If she took the barbiturates to go to sleep, then why were the lights on? Ah, good call. That's kind of weird. Like when I was thinking about that, when you said, oh, like the housekeeper at 3 a.m. was trying to get in because the lights were on. And that's weird. Why would you take barbiturates to go to sleep, then leave the lights on? You know, it's kind of, it's a little odd, but.
0: And uh, the door was locked.
1: Yeah. Well, and two, what housekeeper tries to kick open the door of someone at 3 a.m. just because the lights are on? You know, that's a little weird.
0: I don't know. I don't know. know. Yeah, that's a good call. I I really don't know. It's, It's a part of me thinks that her death just coincided with you know jfk dying rfk dying the cold war like there's just so much crazy shit that happened in the world that is also like nestled in conspiracy that people Mm. just kind of like can lump her in there as well you know what i mean yeah
1: and definitely this was a period when it was pretty well known that assassinations were happening there were um high profile people dying all over the place So especially like during the sixties and yeah, I could see it's yeah, I could see this turning into a pretty big conspiracy. It's just all of the sudden and like the, the public doesn't really know about the fact like they're not going to be in on it that she can't get a movie role anymore. All they're going to remember is, Oh yeah, I saw her last year in some big movie and I've heard that she was supposed to be in another big movie, but that other movie hadn't even really come out yet. So You know, like the the public at large doesn't know all of the Hollywood insider news. So they probably still think that she's on top of the world and not having problems.
0: Actually, that that's a great point, Phil, because, you know, obviously today we are a lot more connected with like what goes on with celebrities and stuff. But there's probably like you said, there's probably a good swath of the population who just sees her in movies and then are like, wow, she must be on top of the world, happy as can be and maybe not know all the personal demons that she might be dealing with in her, her personal life and in such like that, like not really understanding that (laughs) she could very well be a very depressed person.
1: Yeah. They probably look at her on those films and think that Marilyn Monroe in real life is just the way that her characters in those movies act, not really even thinking that she's a real person. Like, or if they think she's a real person, she's a movie star. So she must be living in a giant mansion you know, just tons of friends, tons of people, no problems, everything's taken care of. Especially, you know, people living. I mean, back in the '50s, this is actually kind of the golden age for regular folk. They were actually right. like getting ahead, but luckily, capitalism stomped all over that. So don't worry, <laughs> don't worry, folks. You can't get ahead now, especially with the goddamn inflation. But that's a fucking other episode.
0: Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, the tragic life and death of uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I I I think I'm going to make it my goal by the end of this year to you cat- watch some of her films and kind of take in a little bit more of Marilyn Monroe and see what she was like as an actress. But uh, anyway, we need to thank our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We appreciate it so much. Uh, Phil and I are going to hopefully be releasing maybe a new um, off-the-record this week. I apologize for not doing it last week. I was... Phil knows I had no time to myself all week long. Uh, thanks, work. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you want to support the show, check out our previous 10 off the records. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash subliminal deception. Or if you want to use our website to find it, just go to subliminaldeception.com, and there's a direct link to our Patreon, $2 and up, and you can enjoy all the content. Otherwise, Phil, if they would like to contact us and maybe give us their Theory on Marilyn Monroe, or if they liked her movies, where can they do that? Well,
1: you know, you can hit us up on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, probably the best way to get a hold of us. We actually got a message recently from a great fan of ours, Celia, on Bohemian Grove, which I'm excited. I want to do that one in the future. I also still need to do uh, the Hunter Killer satellites. Uh, so we got plenty of stuff coming up. Hell yeah. Uh, if they want to hit us up on our personal Instagrams, though, mine is sdpodphil.
0: Cody, what's yours? Mine is Cody Subub follow me on there i post memes when i get some uh some time on my hands i think they're kind of funny otherwise uh all the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to itunes leave the show five star view doesn't matter what you say type your favorite Marilyn monroe movie i don't really care just as long as it's a five star written uh the other thing if you're spotify user all you gotta do is hit the follow button it helps boost us up the charts and helps us get the truth Out to more people. Otherwise, hope you guys enjoyed more of a uh, biographical look at Marilyn Monroe and her death, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.